3: Well thank you for joining us right here on African dialogue you're listening to Channel Africa the African perspective thank you for joining us on our various platforms you're listening to us on shortwave our main service to our friends on the continent uh, you're listening to us there on our shortwave service and also remember we also on DStv on a uh, channel 802 on the audio bouquet okay, then you also can uh, stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za well today we're not in our Johannesburg studios we're not based at the ABC today. We're right here in the beautiful Durban. It's very sunny. It's very great. The, the skies are looking very blue here, and it's a fantastic space to be hosting the World Economic Forum on Africa, which kicks off today. It's a bit delayed today. It's going to be taking place, I think, midday. This thing's going to be picking up. And uh, really, the big, big conversation here is really about uh, the achievement of inclusive growth. And that's going to be the real, real tussle for the continent this time around how do you take things further in terms of we see the sluggish economy currently and also uh, the issue of uh, illicit capital flows have been a big challenge for the continent and now the continent is going to tussle with those kind of issues and try to grapple around how do you also create employment how do you minimize the poverty uh, the wealth gap in in on the continent so those are the big big issues uh, that will be taking place let's not forget the issue of uh, youth unemployment the fact that there's a huge youth population on the continent and we need to also really really figure out how do we uh, deal with that particular issue especially empowering the youth population well today we honored to have uh, the minister of science and technology uh, naledi pando i see that you also grace so i was a bit puzzled by that but it's great to, to have you here minister and also we've got uh, shia shah who is the managing uh, director for thomson reuters africa and also with us we've got austin Okere, who is uh, joining us uh, from the columbia business school at their very center of business. He's an entrepreneur in residence at the Eugene Lang Entrepreneurship Center. Now I want to start with you, Minister, because this is a big topic for the continent right now, not just South Africa, but also other uh, African countries that are really trying to grapple with this issue of inclusive growth, of how do you actually uh, take the marginalized and actually involve them in the, the, the economy. And I know that as a science and technology minister, innovation is something that's central to you and, and the conversations that you've been having uh, during, your min- during your time in that particular ministry. Your thoughts around that and innovation and, and science and technology, where it all fits in in this big
0: conversation. Well, um, thank you very much for the opportunity and good morning to your listeners. Sure. I think one of the uh, very important things that uh, the continent uh, has to pay attention to is increased investment in science and technology Mm. and greater promotion of innovation. There are wonderful ideas out there. There are people who are creative, who have fantastic imagination. We've trained researchers, engineers Mm. uh, and other technologists, but we're not investing sufficiently in converting good ideas either into new businesses Mm. or into providing solutions to the socio-economic challenges that confront our continent. Mm. So I've been uh, especially pleased uh, this time around. I'm not a frequenter um, (laughs) at the World Economic Forum uh, but uh, the focus on innovation Mm. and technology is very important. I've met several academics, Uh, as well as foundations that support research and all of us agree that we need to do much more on the continent to up our game insofar as science technology and innovation are concerned because if we are to have that inclusive growth we need to focus on new ideas we need to ensure that we're using uh, uh, research and knowledge to inform interventions in agriculture in health, in education, in a wide range of sectors. We cannot advance in the way that we need to without investing in science, technology and innovation. So inclusive growth means in-skilling, it means diversifying uh, business opportunities, it means looking at the structure of the economies of Africa, it means moving away from uh, extraction to value addition and increased uh, value added uh, exports so it's a whole new ball game and Africa has to grapple with this and at the moment We are not investing in science, technology and innovation sufficiently. And and
3: listening to you, Minister, it seems like you're talking about we need an entire Mm -hmm. overhaul of our mental focus and we need a mental shift completely, especially in this industrialization revolution. Everyone is talking about the fourth industrial revolution on, on, on the continent, but we need to really deepen our pockets with that and really change the way we think from an academic perspective and also from a localized viewpoint.
0: Absolutely, um, I I listen to leaders when they speak with great attention Mm. and I'm always uh, mesmerized by uh, discussions in which uh, people talk about development and growth but they don't mention science and technology even once. It's very peculiar Mm. because how do you imagine uh, that you can advance without using knowledge? Mm. So I think we need to change our mindsets. We need to... uh, engage with the fact that Africa must make better use of knowledge institutions, of knowledge workers, it must invest in the infrastructure for growing knowledge and ideas and ensure that we use science to advance. Mm.
3: Let me bring uh, Sneha Shah, who is the Managing Director for Thomson Reuters Africa. I see here also you going to be looking at the issue of this term, the fourth industrial revolution. It's a big conversation. It was big. It started last year in Kigali as it was coming to its final resolution where people were talking about this digital landscape that we're in, not just on the content, but everywhere in the world, uh, d- the digital space is becoming so central to development of various countries. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on I know you're going to be looking at this and you've got a theme called digital disruption and leapfrogging traditional economies. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having us all on and it's such a pleasure to be on the panel with the minister because first of all to have a female minister driving science and technology on this continent is rare but mm. it's it's critical, right? Mm. Because if we're not getting girls into STEM then we're going to have a real problem down the road. Mm. And so it's really a privilege. And and I agree with you fully that you can't talk about development, especially on this continent, without talking about digitization and Mm. disruption and and innovation. And I'll tell you why. So basic things, we've got the biggest problems, right? You've got like lots of countries that don't have automated systems for land registry. You don't have automated systems for legal um, sort of uh, jurisdiction. So you can't have rule of law, you can't have land rights. Basic, basic things that help develop economies, even before you talk about knowledge economies. And so by using digitization by automation, you can actually transform that. So, you know, for example, Ghana right now is experimenting with blockchain mm-hmm. around land rights. We're doing a project with the government of Nigeria, Lagos State. Th-
3: can you elaborate help. on the blockchain? Yeah, what absolutely.
1: So, So blockchain is at the simplest core like most people think of it as bitcoin or digital currency but at the simplest core it's basically a a peer-to-peer transaction mechanism Mm -hmm. that is um, sort of unchangeable so immutable and unhackable because it involves um, basically a chain of different servers around the world that record a transaction so you could apply it to currency and you can also apply it to land records Um, and so that's where things like that could revolutionize what's going on in this continent because once you digitize a land record and you make it know fully transparent you don 't have these duplicate title leads and you don 't have all these issues, then you can develop mortgage markets in a country like Kenya. we have forty million people and only twenty thousand outstanding mortgages it's, it's that doesn 't develop a middle class it doesn 't develop foreign investment it doesn 't develop and so I think digitization is at the core of everything we have to take what we've been very you know manual sort of economies and take them into the knowledge industry and it's so it's about engineering and science and it's about data and it's about digitization and that's very much at the heart of you know this conversation that we're having at WEF but it's also at the heart of what every leader that really is trying to empower Africa should be talking about right now.
3: Mm. Let me bring in uh, Mr. O'Kere from a business perspective because when you look at mainstream economies in in And on the continent, there's a lot of informal forms of revenue that come into um, via those particular informal markets. And sometimes that's the problem on the continent. We're speaking about innovation, we speak about a digital space, but sometimes those traditional forms of economies remain in those uh, very informal setups. How do we actually transform that, Mr. Okere, in terms of creating that inclusive environment because that's where the big challenge is, is taking that small entrepreneur and making sure that they can professionalize their craft and, and, and also digitize it and use science and technology. But Africa is not there because, as the minister highlighted, that uh, uh, finance and investment is, is very much short uh, coming in, in that regard.
2: Uh, 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 this is very interesting and thanks for the opportunity to, to be on the panel with the Minister and with uh, Ms Shah. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the misconception mm. is that people in the informal economy are poor. Mm. Women that wake up very early mm. and then go to the market to set up, sell mm. and come back home very late in the evening don't have time to waste in the banks mm-hmm. and so they don't have bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Does it mean they are poor? Mm-hmm. No. They are training three, five, seven children mm-hmm. sometimes without the men. They are not poor. Mm-hmm. They need to be helped by bringing the bank to them mm-hmm. and today it's possible because of precisely broadband and a smartphone mm-hmm. uh, and they also need to to be supported in the same way that formal companies are supported with loans mm-hmm. to grow their businesses, which they are denied. Mm-hmm. I came up with um, what I call Austin's um, five forces for analyzing the future of banking, which mm-hmm. I spoke about at the World Conference of Banking Institutions, Lagos, mm-hmm. and in my spring workshop at Columbia. Mm-hmm. And if we don't change the mindset of banks, of we win when you lose, Banks are going to become totally irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Take, for instance, the Impesa uh, mobile sure. money that the uh, Shah spoke about mm-hmm. in K- Kenya. Mm-hmm. It's more or less the biggest bank in Kenya. Impesa. Uh, I mean, you talk about out of the thirty-three million mobile subscribers, almost seventy-five percent of them are on Impesa. Mm-hmm. MPESA did forty-four percent of the GDP of Kenya. Mm-hmm. Now, who is regulating in PESA? It will be the Communications Commission, not the central bank. Mm-hmm. So here you have an imbroglio of the biggest bank that is outside the, the central bank, but it's mm-hmm. very impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of the day, if we help this, the, the small and micro-entrepreneurs, mainly women, uh, Grameen Bank has done a very good job with that in, in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. If, if we help them to get these loans, and, and the fintechs are making it possible, I understand that in Kenya, the fish seller in the morning uh, applies for a P2P loan on her mobile phone maybe $80, wow. buys her fish, sells her fish in the evening, she pays her loan and the, cool. and, the, and the extra is hers. Yeah and tomorrow it may be $160 instead of 80 and she grows and you mm. see her credit history. Mm. Tomorrow she can qualify for a $10,000 loan because she walked that path with her all the way. Mm. But what we look at in terms of finance in Africa mm. is looking at the big corporates, Exxon, Mobil, Cadbury and concentrating on giving them the opportunities of growing their business with loans mm. to the detriment of the, of the majority. I, I stop on this point. If you look at Nigeria, there are thirty seven million micro and small and medium e- enterprises. If we can help this by giving them accounting on as you use basis instead of getting them to go buy very expensive accounting software and have a whole accounting department, mm-hmm. if we can help those women put their merchandise on e-commerce sites so that not only people that pass in front of them can buy, anybody can buy and then we put in the logistics and delivery that they can multiply their sales. If we can help them in this manner to employ one more person each, one more hairdresser, one more sales girl, that's creating 37 million more jobs. How many can the government
3: employ? Well, you're listening to Channel Africa, the African perspective. We're right here at the World Economic Forum, and then we're having this conversation with South Africa's uh, Minister of Science and Technology, Naledi Pando, as well as the Managing Director for Thomson Reuters Africa, uh, which is uh, uh, Sneha Shah, as well as uh, uh, Mr. Austin Okere, who is an entrepreneur in residence at the Eugene Lang Entrepreneurship Center, which is part of the Columbia a business school Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and continue this particular conversation especially in the area of what i was talking about uh, earlier on which is also going to be a big focus of uh, this uh, 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 forum that's happening here in cape town i mean in, in durban the issue of the youth population And also the fact that it seems like Africa doesn't know how to capitalize on that youth population. We're struggling with unemployment, especially amongst that particular uh, demographic. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll continue this conversation.
1: Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa... And our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world.
2: Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare,
3: Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa.
1: Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa.
3: For Channel Africa, I am Kumbara Munjore in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Noel Bamweze.
0: Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa,
1: bringing you the African perspective.
3: channel africa giving you the african perspective definitely we are not ashamed of being pan-african and be pro-african but right here today we're at the world economic forum on africa it's the 27th edition if you're just joining us the big topic and theme this is achieving inclusive growth through responsive and responsible leadership and uh, uh, there's a lot of challenges we know the global economy has its own impact and because of also the issues of uh, the China investments of commodities on the continent that actually uh, has created a sluggish uh, industry uh, especially in countries that are much reliant on, on their minerals but also the big challenge on the continent is the youth population. And everyone here has been speaking about this issue of the fourth industrial revolution. And, and maybe that's the question I need to ask, uh, Minister Pando. What is the fourth industrial uh, revolution? Because we can have these great phrases, but actually to the common man, they mean the continuance of what
0: we've always known. Well, I, I always dislike uh, rhetoric. I think <laughs> you know, it's uh, these uh, phrases sometimes... Uh, cause a whole host of difficulties but essentially what we're speaking about is moving to the next level beyond computers of uh, the use of artificial intelligence Mm. so yes certainly it is uh, digitizing Mm. so really getting rid of paper Mm. but it's also uh, looking at artificial intelligence the use of robots Mm. as you know uh, in many countries um, Particularly in the north, you have an aging population which doesn't uh, necessarily have young caregivers available uh, uh, to support them. So we may have to rely on robots or other uh, mechanical and digital sources of care. Uh, It's changing the way in which you receive goods. So it's really uh, the digital age in its true and most advanced uh, uh, sense now once you say fourth industrial revolution it poses real challenges mm-hmm. for us on the african continent because yes. you know even as we started the introduction of information technologies we didn't get full access to them sure, sure. there are many co- uh, communities that are still untouched mm-hmm. by even the technological developments we have in place uh, today so the notion of a fourth revolution Mm. means you're even further behind and Mm. that's why I'm wary Mm. uh, of the term because it can introduce uh, a sense of despondency Mm. but I think what is great about technology is that you don't have to go through stages so you don't have to go to stage one two three until you get to four you can immediately be at the leading edge and I think that's what Africa must embrace Mm. Uh, that technology is there for us to use it in order to serve our development uh, purposes as well as our business uh, ambitions. Mm -hmm. And governments need to see uh, technology as available both for providing state-provided public services as well as enhancing and improving uh, business uh, uh, activity in the uh, private sector. If uh, there are young people who don't have uh, access to skills training, through technology we can help them enjoy such access. We don't have uh, universities in every region in all our countries, but they can have uh, access to online courses. We can build one centre where hundreds of young people uh, can attend and enjoy the opportunity of education and uh, skills development. So, uh, what's this new age allows you to do is to really jump a number of decades that you may have taken to gain access to technology and immediately enjoy access. But governments have to be smart. Mm. They have to be quick because if you wait and you debate, Mm. the fifth will be upon you. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we'll have aliens here and so on and you'll still be waiting. So I think what we need is imagination. We need responsiveness, and we need acknowledgement by governments that we're going to use technology in order to make the leap that we want.
3: Sneha, are we moving fast enough as the continent is highlighted here by the minister?
1: parts we are. So um, if you look at examples like, um, I think Rwanda is doing a great job. Um, They've partnered with, for example, Carnegie Mellon University to really bring in technology. They've brought in a number of private sector companies, um, you know, including us, to come and partner with these students and give them real world experience um, to to really work. And they're working on some very, very disruptive innovations. Mm -hmm. I think in in places like Kenya, it's not necessarily government-led, but the environment is very conducive to that. Um, I think there's pockets here in South Africa too. You know, I think and if you look at what UCT is doing around some of the FinTech mm-hmm. innovation and what city of Cape Town is doing with the bandwidth barn, they're opening up now a whole um, innovation h- hub inside Khayelitsha, for yeah, example. Cool. Sure. There's some really great examples. I think w- where we struggle is to get scale in them. And that's where, you know, what I really believe that forums like this are about is how do we work together? You know, Austin and I were talking earlier about this. There's there's this something in our African culture that we sort of all want to be the first or the best Doing things, and, and actually, this isn't a race. This is actually something we all need to win together. And the only way is if government and private sector and civil society and international agencies work together on some of these pressing needs and, and move us away from these small solutions that look amazing to, to sort of really getting to things at scale. Um, And I think that's how we're going to get success.
3: Mm. Mr. Okero, your thoughts around this issue of um, this fourth industrial revolution. I I like what the minister was highlighting, the fact that we we still have a a little way to go. uh, But we can catch up.
2: Well, we can. And uh, Michelle was talking about scale. It's Mm. all about scale. But who has the biggest... Uh, opportunity to enable scale Mm. I mean obviously to be the government Mm. Uh, but the incentives are different. Um, The incentive to just sit and do your day job until you retire and get a pension It's higher than the incentive of trying to do something revolutionary, Mm. which if it doesn't come out right, Mm. uh, you probably have egg on your face. Mm. More risks, yeah. And if you do it and it comes out right, there is no special recognition anyway. Mm. You know, you just still earn your day pay and and that's it. So the the adoption at the point where it will scale is really at the government. If you look at Silicon Valley, I've been to the city of California many Mm. times, for technology conferences and so on. The city of California helps to, to bring the technology in Silicon Valley to scale and transform it to the national scale and thereafter to the global scale. Take Uber, take Airbnb. What support will an African entrepreneur, such as Safaricom with PESA mm. get from the government? Um, why is it that Impesa is only popular in Kenya, not even in East Africa, talk less of West Africa? Mm. When we started um, our own model, because in Nigeria the, the, the regulation is, is a bit different than in Kenya, it has to be bank-led, a technology company cannot lead a fintech. And so we got together with MTN, which is the biggest mobile operator, we, we developed the software, and we launched with diamond bank what we call diamond yellow account Mm. in the first year of launch diamond bank that typically had under a million accounts added six million accounts in the first year that should tell you about the pent-up demand that is there that these people that were excluded from financial uh, uh, systems are taking advantage of but why is diamond yellow account separate on its own Impresa separate on its own Mm. if we could connect the two then we'll bring financial inclusion across Western and, and East Africa yeah. and have an opportunity for scale. Yeah. And this is where maybe the government needs to incentivize, ins- incentivize yeah. the people to hook up to this stem, yeah. to hook up to this fourth industrial revolution, yeah. and to hook up to inclusion. Yeah. Um, yes, there will be missteps along the way, but a mistake is part of experience and we learn from it and then we make sure we don't repeat the same mistakes again but then guess what if it works we take quantum leaps and we make those frog leaps uh, mm-hmm. instead of going from stage one to stage, stage two, two to stage. Yeah, sure. but the way we are going, we are forcing ourselves to go through stage one, stage two because the custodian of scale, mm-hmm. which is the government mm-hmm. is not
3: coming to the party. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that not because uh, Minister so, uh, so African governments are still stuck on traditional forms and are still
0: stuck on the old. Well, I think uh, some lack the imagination. Mm, sure. And uh, what you need to do is create incentives mm. which bypass government to some degree. Okay, um, <laughs> That's So, you know, things like establishing innovation hubs, okay. which we've begun to do. Use young people mm. to really reach young people and support them as they create new enterprises, uh, as they uh, start up uh, companies based on their innovative uh, ideas. So we've begun to do that. And uh, where you see that actually our imagination is quite lacking is, for example, we started an innovation fund. Mm. And it really was looking at small and medium-sized businesses. So to some degree, our focus was established business yeah although not the big conglomerates sure, but sure. certainly uh, uh, established uh, entities yes. but the people who kept applying were young people <laughs> who don't who are not running a business but they've got these ideas yes. you know yeah, yeah, they're creating yeah, yeah. an alarm for this they're starting a service uh, for patients in hospital mm-hmm. and they're sitting thinking that Spending 10 hours here is a problem. How can I make it less onerous, you know? Mm -hmm. So after some time we thought hey listen, we're servicing the wrong people. People. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start a youth innovation fund and we've done that and the take-up is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think as government uh, we tend to be as you said more formal perhaps traditional. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a way of working with bureaucratic Mm -hmm. administrative. Young people are ready Mm -hmm. and they're in a hurry. Um, they're creating apps. We have a mobile uh, laboratory that goes out into uh, townships and all the services young people need are available to them. They're creating their own apps, you know, stuff like that. So if you are sort of sitting, thinking, you know, somebody will come along, fill out a form, no, no, no. You've (laughs) got to be out there. You know, they're ready, but you've got to be quite quick off the mark. Well, there's not this whole space
3: leave other people at a disadvantage i'm i'm thinking rural africa now i'm kind of thinking the typical notion of what someone outside who's never been to africa thinks of africa and i know that i'm being condescending in a way but i'm doing it deliberately because sometimes that reality does exist
1: Absolutely, but I also think if you look at mobile adoption on the continent, yeah. um, you see that actually if you make technology simple um, and easy to use, then actually it will be adopted. Right. Okay. So, so that and 70% of people on the continent have mobile phones. Mm. They're not smartphones, but they're mobile phones. Mm. And so, so I think that's the thing we have to get to: is make it usable for the audience. Right. If you if you sort of designing products for people working in cities who have access to sort of really great Wi-Fi, etc., then then you're designing for the wrong crowd. Sure. Whereas in in Kenya, what they've done recently with the M-Kiba launch, which I think is fascinating, they've done a retail mobile bond offering for the first time anywhere in the world, okay. using mobile phones um, across Africa, so across Kenya, yeah. and anyone in Kenya, even in rural Kenya, can now buy government bonds on their phone. Yeah, and please. so, so you literally, have to think about what tools do they have? How do we make it simple? How do we make it accessible? And then it'll work. Yeah. So I think that's that's the challenge there: is that you can't design for people in cities; you have to design. For, for everyone across the continent
3: yeah okay we're going to take a quick re- one more break and we're going to wrap it up I know you guys have other places to go people to see and people to mingle with here at the World Economic Forum but uh, you are listening to Channel Africa thank you for joining us on our shortwave service that's our content, That's our service across the continent I uh, thank you to our friends in our various African countries and if you're listening to us in South Africa we're on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. in our international community I know that our website is very central to how you listen to us. www.channelafrica.co.za That is the website where you're streaming us right now. Thank you for listening to us. We're going to take a quick break and then wrap up this conversation.
0: Good news for our listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605 1711 So, If you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective.
3: All right, I have to say I'm proud to be South African. Durban is so beautiful. I have to say maybe one of the most beautiful places in the world indeed. We're right here doing an outside broadcast at the 27th edition of the World Economic Forum, which is uh, taking place today. It hasn't started. It's going to kick off, I think, in 30 minutes or so. And uh, the President of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, will be leading the delegates with an opening address uh, today right here at the Durban uh, uh, Convention. Center here. Now we're going to wrap up this conversation with our guest looking at the youth population. Uh, one, one concerning issue is the fact that there's a huge forecast on, on the continent, especially when you look at sub-Saharan Africa, that the growth is at its lowest level for 20 years. That puts these uh, young population at a big space where they become vulnerable. We know that uh, uh, the figures that I'm reading here, a large percentage of the continent's population under the age of 30 are unemployed but what's more worrying about the stat- statistics, some of them are unemployable. And uh, let's wrap it with you, Minister, in terms of of you know what do we do in in, in this space because there's so much potential in this youth population like you were highlighting just a few minutes ago around their innovations they are thinking differently there is kind of a pace to the way they do things but there is a vulnerability to their population
1: Mm.
0: well I think uh, we need to think inclusion uh, Mm. uh, much more uh, than we're doing at the moment Mm. Uh, the young people that you refer to have a different uh, 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 set of needs. Mm-hmm. Some require basic education mm-hmm. in, uh, delivered in ways that excite them and that will keep them interested. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things we have to look at. Mm-hmm. How do you offer a young person who's been out of education or never access it, mm-hmm. uh, education when he is or she is a youth? Mm-hmm. So we need to look at different uh, ways of offering education and skills uh, training Mm -hmm. a second aspect is this unemployable issue is a real worry for me uh, because we are training young people and then there's nothing for them to do Mm -hmm. and again it comes back to the way in which we've conceived of the business sector uh, the public sector and all places uh, where one works we are training young people uh, in skills domains that are of no interest to the economy sure. and we have a massive needs in the technical uh, domain area mm-hmm. so I think we have to attract young people into vocational education in South Africa for example most young people who succeed at secondary schooling want to go to a university it's not the best choice mm-hmm. what you should be going for is a vocational college mm-hmm because that's where you get the skill that our economy is desperate for we need more technicians we need more engineers we need plumbers we need persons who can work with solar since we're introducing solar energy more and more in our society so there are new careers and we have to grapple with that and ensure that we reorder uh, education and training establishments so that they modernize and are in step with the changes in our economy and the changes in society. It's very difficult to find uh, a young South African trained in interpreting uh, Chinese. We need to, you know, get clued up with the world. Mm, mm. I think we're still very, very traditional. Mm. We should be training young people in South Africa to speak foreign languages to be very competent in them because we're going to trade with the world. South Africa is part of the global community. We're not only speaking to ourselves. So all of these things uh, are new opportunities that I think we need to grasp and really uh, introduce young people to.
3: Well, that's how we wrap up our show today. Thank you to everyone who was part of the show, the guys in the background who make things happen. and all.